2: Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.
0: His office, you know, they'll be like, Benjamin uh, Horowitz, Horowitz. And I'm like, when in your life have you seen an OR without a "e" after it pronounced "whore"? You know. So you go to the doctor and he calls you a whore.
3: <laughs> he does. That's not a good sign.
0: He grabs my testicles <laughs>
3: and he calls me a whore, Brad.
0: <laughs> it was a rough time at the docs last time. I was
3: there. <laughs> That's supposed to be before you get
0: married. Those kind of like worrying doctors' appointments. I, th- I, from my impression, they seem to get worse and more invasive, like. <laughs> I was just listening to something about like you go in for one thing, and then all of a sudden he's sticking his fingers up your butt for like a prostate oh, yeah. exam. I've so- been there. You've done that. already. I'm there. I'm at that age, dude. <sighs> when does that start? <sighs> Actually, you're about to, dude. Thirty nine. You're supposed yeah, to get I your think butt to forty.
3: Check? Maybe. Fuck. I feel like the first time I did it, I was. I think I might have been let. Maybe he was just. You know, maybe I had the wrong doctor. Or the if,
0: right doctor. What if I tell him I self-exam I regularly? Think, I think I was. I think <laughs> I think I was under forty. Okay. Now, <laughs> I don't want to pry too deeply, but when you did this exam, was it the first time that something yeah, well, was in by there? a doctor? Of course, <laughs> by a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not get to the nineties. Brad just finished telling me. That he used to love opening slots in the 90s (laughs) because he could just finish up, pack up, and get wasted. (laughs) It is true, dude. I wish I could see 90s Brad. Did you have long hair? Only at the very beginning. What were we talking about footwear?
3: I used to wear like engineer boots or uh, Chuck Taylors. Either one. You went for
0: it pretty hard. Leather coat? Uh, I had a leather, I had, I had bikes, uh, dude. Oh, you were still riding? Yeah. Man, oh, you must have been so much fun. That was so cool. You were so fun. (laughs) And now just, now Richard Dreyfus walks in here, (laughs) just another stakeout. Just another fucking day at the office. (laughs) Hey, Brad.
3: So, uh. Nice to be back here in the saddle. For real, that was a long summer.
0: Yeah. That was like a sweeter summer. It was like (laughs) a. took like two solstices. It was like an 18 month summer. Yeah. We should call it it's some kind of equinox. It's a new one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, we'll rename it. I've been wanting to get in touch with Neil deGrasse Tyson. He would be fantastic. Oh, what a great interview! What a great human! Did you ever see those pictures of him in like the eighties? No, he's jacked. Really? Yeah, nice looking man. Wow. Oh, yeah, he what like. Catch. Yeah, he was a real like. It must have been a real uh, rock and roller of the physics. All industry. right, I'll look into it.
3: Because now that we are about to relaunch. reboot whatever you want to call it going off track um we apologize to you loyal loyal listeners yeah and there are a bunch of you um yeah we were going to take the summer off last year last year and we did and
0: then and then another year after life life caught up to us it did well how's your life been the last two years brown
3: my life has hasn't been that unchanged it's busy. <laughs> but yeah, so what happened? I don't know. We're going to check in with Jonah later. Because yeah, Jonah's
0: going to dial in. I mean,
3: the main thing was, you know, we lost our favorite recording space. Pulse was fine for a sure. while, but uh, it just
0: wasn't the same as doing it at Rubber Tracks. And, and then I Jonah
3: mean, turned into a mountain man.
0: And 300 episodes. I mean, nothing to scoff at. Uh, I yeah. think, what, Taffer was 304. Yeah, we needed a break. That's a lot of episodes. It was okay to take the summer yeah. off. So I think Jonah's just... He's grown a really long beard. I'd imagine he has a really long beard yeah, right I would. Now. I would hope so. And just in the last two years, almost in the way, like, Gandalf went from, like, gray to white. <laughs> <laughs> I think Jonah's, like, I think he's got different colored eyes now. <laughs> like, his clothes changed without changing. All of it. Well, yeah. We oh. should ask him. We should just give we'll him a call. I, yeah, I'll just, yeah. Let's call him. Let's call him.
3: Hello? Oh! Oh. Hey, Jonah! Hey, how's it going? It's going okay. I'm sitting here with Benny, dude. Hi, Jonah.
4: Hey, Benny. How are you?
3: I'm good. I love you. I miss you. Yeah. So, you know, we just did an intro for the show that Benny recorded with Laura Jane Grace. And uh, we wish that you were here to help intro it, but... um, We were kind of talking about the fact that we haven't been around for a while. Yeah. Where are you? Yeah. We didn't say where you were, though. Yeah, we were very cryptic. Yeah, that's good. We just just accused you of being a a mountain man, though.
0: Yeah, I had said that you... I didn't say what you were doing or where you are, but I said you most likely have an extremely long beard and that I think your eyes have changed color, like (laughs) Gandalf the Gray to Gandalf (laughs) the White. And you've, like, achieved, like, a different level of of existentialism that you haven't prior. How much of that is true? Yeah.
4: All of it. <laughs> yes, <Yeah. laughs> I knew it. All of it is true. I knew it.
3: I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> um, but seriously, what are you up to? Tell your fans, man. They miss you.
4: Oh, this is being recorded now? Yeah.
3: Dude, you know going off track, we're always recording. Remember that. <laughs> You know the drill. Yeah. yeah.
4: Um, what's going on with me? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of like segueing into like a new aspect of my career, kind of like an extension, maybe of the podcast in some ways. I'm in school for clinical mental health counseling. So I've just been learning more about interviewing and counseling and I want to work with musicians and creative people. You know, part of it was kind of inspired in some way by like a Scott Hutchinson interview. Like I was you know, that was a really, one of my favorite podcasts. And so it was, you know, really sad. So it got me kind of thinking about, you know, how I can maybe try to work with musicians or work with people just kind of dealing with those kinds of issues. And it's like a long path, but um I'm excited for it. And uh I'm happy that the podcast is still going on and, you know, we'll see. Uh, what my involvement can be, but I'd like to pop in once in a while and still, you know, be involved in some level. And I'm I'm happy that Benny did this interview with Laura. I haven't listened to it yet, but I'm sure it's great.
0: Oh, that's okay. <laughs> I don't know. It's, yeah, <laughs> I'm it's,
4: sure. I'm sure it's good. And I was thinking too, you know, like the first live event we did with Benny was with Laura and Danati for that that book release.
3: Oh, that's um,
0: right. That's uh, sold at, uh, out uh, book Yeah, yeah, that was my first yeah. like being on stage as a host. Remember, I had been a guest yeah. for Union right. Hall episode 100. That's when I when I finagled my way into Antarctica Vespucci because I met Jeff Rosenstock that night. That was pretty funny. Oh, that really that was that's yeah, how that's that, that happened. How it happened. He told me about this band him and Chris Farron are doing. I'm like, who's playing drums on that? I totally eat I just like nosed my way in. Right. There. Yeah, like for sure. I did not know that.
4: But yeah, I've been working on that and you know, I'm still writing um still writing so like I try to keep you know all my writing stuff updated. I've been doing a lot of bios. What about music? One, like,
3: what about the music?
4: band? Music um What about the band? Um, you got a you got a garage. In,
3: you got a garage up there in the woods?
4: Uh no garage, no. Um, I, yeah, I, I'm still playing, playing. You know, I play around the house. You know, United Nations is always very kind of cryptic as well. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I don't know.
0: That's Who Always, knows? always Who knows? been part of the vibe, right?
4: Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh,
0: I think it might be time for you to shift into like. I always wonder, like, if I'm getting a massage or something, who's making that like transcendental? Like meditation music that plays like the whole time. What about that, Jonas? I,
4: I know. I don't. I I wonder who makes that stuff too. Like I wonder because it can be so repetitive. Like yeah. who is like? I nailed this one. I know. I know. But, who like
0: listens back and is like, oh fuck, that's good. That's good. That's the best yeah. one I've done. Yeah, it's a real. I don't know.
4: I don't know. I don't. I don't know where that music comes from. Honestly, I don't know anyone. No one has ever really sent me that kind of music. I get sent still a lot of music. Um,
0: you think there's just one but- pan flute guy, like <laughs> the pan flute guy who just makes a fucking killing? You know, they're like, "Yeah, we need some pan flute. Call Ed. <laughs> he's he's around." And when he's not in the Ed? studio,
3: he's just making loops for everybody yeah, else. Yeah,
0: pan flute guy. That's a fucking wheelhouse right there. <laughs> but Jonah, it's awesome
3: to talk to you for real, and um, we do miss you for real as yeah. well so um,
4: yeah Yeah, no I know Um, I missed you guys too and like um, you know I've gotten some emails from people asking me about the podcast as well Um, so yeah I just wanted to say thanks oh one more thing that just happened kind of related to the podcast that's cool is uh, Dave Bazan has a new documentary out
0: Uh um,
4: called Strange Negotiations and the director Brandon Vetter was with him when they were making it and they filmed it in Going Off Track and where it's going me interviewing Dave for the podcast is in the documentary for like 10 seconds or something.
3: Oh, oh that's awesome. No shit.
4: Yeah. Yeah. i yeah. Um, it's like, I'm asking him a question and then it cuts to us like sitting in studio B. Is
3: that's the awesome. doc out? Uh,
4: yeah. I think it just came out. I think it just came out.
3: Is Very that cool. Netflix or something?
4: I think it's available on iTunes. Um, it's really cool. It's shot really well. It's really, and I was part of the Kickstarter for it. So I've been getting updates on it a lot. Uh, They've they've been working on it basically like for, I don't know, at least like three years, I think. Um, but there's like a little scene of the now defunct rubber track studios in the documentary.
3: Pour one out. Pour one out. Yeah.
4: Pour one out. But yeah, but yeah, I mean, thanks everyone that's emailed. And, um, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, like I still keep in touch with everyone. I just saw Steven, uh, so, yeah, hopefully, you know, you know, you guys can keep it going and, you know, we can be, you know, we can also be involved. And, um, yeah. yeah, I think it's I think it's great.
0: Cool, dude. Awesome.
3: It's great to hear from you. We'll be we'll be in touch. Thanks, Jonah. Okay. Be good. good, bud. We love
4: God, you. I thought, all right. All right. I'll talk
0: to you soon. Bye. Oh, I love Jonah <laughs> so much. It's just like talking to him just soothes. He's always been the most soothing guy. He, he's definitely picked. He's definitely picked a good career other than podcasting. Yeah. He's gonna help people out. He's one of those listening. people that I've I've like sat down to like eat with and stuff, and within like fifteen minutes I'm just telling him shit. Right. That like I'm like, what what the fuck? I don't like well, I'm not supposed to be telling you this. Well some people he, listen, man. And he and he's very he's a non-judgmental right. person. Like you know like when you're saying that that he's processing it in a In not like a where to put you kind of way, but like he's, yeah, he's, he's focusing on the right things when he's talking to you. Well, I'm glad he's still involved and I'm glad he gave us his job less (laughs) and that we're allowed to keep doing this, you know, (laughs) because it's fun. So this interview, Brad. Yeah. Laura. So the little backstory on this is, is my band Mercy Union Did a six week US tour opening up for Laura Jane Grace, her main support, second of three. Uh, Really cool tour. It started in mid March in Houston, um, which meant, you know, a 24 hour drive to uh, start the tour. But you know what I did? I pulled the, hey, I have kids. I'm going to fly yeah. out and meet you guys there. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, sorry. Extra day with the fam, hey, you know? Flight to Houston do doesn't really do cost that
3: much. No, so it's, it's, it's one of the cheaper places
0: to fly decent. into. Yeah, it's decent. It doesn't hurt. Um, And did that, and we started the tour here. It ended up being a burner, man. Six weeks around the U.S. Uh, van tour. Like I said, we were second of three, which means... You load in early, right. you sound check early, then you have to take your shit off stage and put it somewhere yeah, weird. that's definitely and the worst. The worst slot. slot. And the band you're hearing while I'm interviewing Laura is the band Control Top, who is the opening band, who not only got to open... They also used my drums. So it was like, uh, I mean... What so we a, don't have to get a, a, a sync fee to play their music. What a okay. coast. <laughs> <laughs> I gave Alex, the drummer, I gave I gave a lot of shit through the tour. <laughs> I was definitely a lot of razzing. But good people. They were fun to be on tour with. And uh, so I had delayed doing this interview almost like the whole tour. Because I was like, I don't want to be the jag like the first week of this tour. Just be like, hey, Laura, could give right. an interview? Yeah. Like, I just wanted it to be cool. But then like... There was, like, no time the towards the ticking. end, and the clock was ticking, and I'm like, oh, great, last day of tour, so now we have to do it. Is this really last this day? This is the last – so I had six weeks to conduct this interview, and I did it. And what, what town is it? This is in Nashville. Right. Um I believe Basement East is in West Nashville, which is like – it's like the Brooklyn of Nashville. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't look like Brooklyn, nah. but, you know, it's where young – liberal hipsters go in right. nashville to to stake their land and claim any yeah. overpriced pizza and stuff um
3: <laughs> and the bird the local bird you can hear through the whole thing
0: i know which is great i would love a uh, uh if any ornithologists <laughs> possibly listen to going oh, nice. off track id the birds <laughs> yeah like bonus maybe, points yeah, man we'll give you a free i don't know what can we offer Something. so we'll give him maybe that beanie that you're wearing okay, <laughs> hey, 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 hey. you don't want that stinky, stinky stuff under here, my friend. Uh, but yeah, so it was a lot of fun. I've known Laura a long time. I mean, um, actually, Against Me was was one of the first bands who gave Gaslight a real tour. Oh, so yeah. so we supported Against Me when they released New Wave on a, on a national tour that ended up being a really good thing for us, you know, and something that really boosted us. And then once Gaslight got bigger, we had Brought Against Me on tour. Um, and then, you know, things unfold. And then Laura has a solar project and still brings my band on tour. So it's, it's really cool. Well,
3: cool. Let's check it out, man. The first Going <laughs> Off Track in like 18 months. Get That's right to me. it. Let's listen to Laura. It's Going Off Track!
1: Do you have a cassette player? I do I actually have a really Extensive cassette collection You too. still keep them? Mm-hmm. You know Did you ever put them somewhere Or do you always have them around? Um I used to have one of those Like Or a couple of those Like wooden racks Or yeah, whatever yeah. That you could hang on a wall And I would do that But I just have a drawer Like in my My office studio room That's full of cassettes Yeah, yeah I like I've been in the habit For the past couple of years Of making mixtapes too So yeah. I have like A double cassette deck You know And um just like making mixtapes to give his friend to friends and then i did for when when our record came out in november i made five mixtapes and on each one i put an unreleased recording that was just like me on my little like shitty boombox doing a demo of a song or a cover and i hid it in the track listing on each mixtape and then went to my local record store in chicago and was like Hey, can you just give these to the next five people that come in and buy the record? And then I tweeted that, and then five people came in and bought the record and got free tapes. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. What a special thing for people. I'm sure that those five people didn't have cassette decks themselves. (laughs) They were just, like, stoked to get the tapes.
0: (laughs) What's, like, like, when you decide to do that, like, you are... Is that just, like, fuck it, I have this stuff, it's for fun? Or are you,
1: like, really trying to, like, reach out to your people, like... Make sure you're like Available like that For fun Like For fun totally And because it was like Went with like What was going on With the record And how it came about Like I got I'd I'd held on to the Stupid cassette tape Collection for years Yeah And then When we were making The last Against Me record I was kind of like Half living at Mark's studio And I That was when I finally Got a new cassette deck And There was like Lots of down moments Where you know Gay was working on a bass tracker that there was some editing happening yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah. and I just started making mixtapes again and just like as a productive way to kill time and I I don't know, like it's it's like a conflicted feeling with the format because on the one hand, like I really don't like nostalgia for formats. Like even yeah. record store day kinda bugs me. Like yeah. and the idea of a cassette tape day is just like, you know, it's if it's gonna die, just let it die, you know. Is that happening now? Cassette tape tape. Yeah, yeah, they do cassette uh... tape day. But but when I think back, to it's like legitimately how Against Me started was cassette tapes and, like, four-track recordings, dubbing my own copies and giving them out. Yeah, and, yeah, like, yeah. that's just where the band came from, and I just have, like, a attachment to it because of that. Yeah.
0: How could you not have an attachment with tapes that people our age, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, records existed when we were born. They were already a thing, and... What, CDs weren't a thing yet? Right. I didn't get my first CD until I was like twelve, sure. like that. All my first music was on tape. Yeah, making mixes. Do you remember? I used to name all my mixes like all <laughs> sorts of weird shit. I remember I had, I had any time I was listening to like Rev Record stuff, like Sense Field or like Farside. I would always call it like easy listening cause that was my easy listening at the time. I think I had one called Nocturnal Missions Just because I probably just learned What it meant and thought it was funny
1: Yeah we, Did you, remember, I, did you I, name them? Totally yeah. it, it was like, you know, I, I, I still have Like a collection too of mixtapes That were made for me from friends And there's yeah. like, you know, there's early Against Me tours one, I have one that's Like, I survived this tour And all I got was this lousy mixtape Or like, <laughs> you cool. know, like spring Mix, blah 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 and blah blah You know, like, oftentimes they were like Whatever rep, Lyrical reference From a song That would be on there Or some shit like that But
0: So I was gonna ask you I was thinking about How You have like A whole bunch of songs About escaping Florida Or at least More than one A lot of songs Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh uh-huh. And now Uh There's deep hatred For Chicago In a lot of ways Enough to <laughs> Pen a song At least like Get behind something enough That like Printed it on a fucking shirt (laughs) Like Like if anybody else Hates Chicago You know And also You're I don't know If Have sports fans Picked up on that Like Detroit Red Wings fans And like people like that Like
1: There was people saying When we were about to go to Milwaukee And um and Madison People were like Oh that, that shirt or that mug Will do well In, yeah. in Wisconsin But I, I forgot to ask Daniel If there was if like A spike did. in sales Or whatever But the, you know Like honestly Like that song is like It's like half in jest Where If If like you're telling me That you think it's funny And it's like And you get the joke Then I'll admit to you Like I don't really hate Chicago <laughs> Right But if you're saying like If you have a problem with that uh, yeah. Then I will stand by Hating Chicago yeah. And I will like Fight for that. If someone like, gets you know? like puffy chested with you about it, yeah, then it's like, like, well, fuck you, fuck Chicago. Then, like, it's just a city, and like, what? Also, you, you know, it's like one of those things that you could break down further. Of like, what are you talking about? Like, are you defending the city of Chicago, right. like the city government of right. Chicago, or you ex- like? Because otherwise, it's just or like the sports teams. Yeah, or yeah, like, yeah. What yeah. is it that
0: you're actually protecting? Because
1: obviously, I don't hate a group of people based on their yeah. geographical location sure. or anything like that. You know, like that's just dumb. And I, you know, and. when when it comes down to it existentially, like, borders are illusions, the city is an illusion, other yeah. than, like, you yeah. know, the government that's set up there, Sure. You know?
0: I heard that Chicago is called the Windy City because of its old blustery politicians who lied and fucked around all the time. I is believe that that's true. Yeah. I do
1: believe that's true, yeah. I actually, like, last year, when I was feeling the way i was feeling when i wrote that song i was like i'm gonna make a committed to effort to really invest myself in learning about the city yeah and like i read like the devil in the white city i went and did all the like tours of the haymarket like where haymarket riot took place went up in the sears tower hancock building whatever um and just like learned a lot about chicago tried to or whatever yeah yeah The
0: reason I brought it up was the thing I was thinking about is because we've talked a little on this tour about me hating where I live, too. And -hmm. just the nuisance of, like, living in a city in general and this. But then I was thinking, I'm like, oh, wait, Laura has a lot of songs hate about Florida. Anywhere I used to live, I just talk shit about anyway. And I'm like, is it? Maybe it's us. It's like, it's like that. You know how you have like a a roommate who's, like, always complaining about people being filthy or something and it's just them?
1: Yeah, totally. Or,
0: like, like that person who who moves to, like, four different houses in a year and complains about shitty roommates. Like, you're the shitty roommate, if that's the fact. (laughs) So basically, I'm saying, could you put semi-poisonous
1: people like us anywhere (laughs) and we'll just
0: find all the things to hate I think so
1: (laughs) I, I mean I think that that's like completely valid and also like I definitely recognize that like when I leave someplace I miss it then and yeah, I really like see the good in it and I'm sure. like damn I really wish I would have appreciated those things about Florida yeah, yeah. when I lived in Florida but I hated Florida when I lived there right. and now that I'm out of there I hate where I've moved to exactly. and I wish I could go back out to Florida and I'm sure when I move out of Chicago I'll be like you know what I really miss yeah, some things so about those Chicago cool yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, those Bulls jerseys are cool I will say I have always wanted to rock a Bulls jersey specifically because in the Rancid Salvation video oh, yeah. It, the yeah scene there's that punk wearing the bulls jersey and like i remember seeing that when i was 13 years old being like damn that's a badass look like you got the charged out hair and the piercings and tattoos and you're wearing a bulls jersey or a starter jacket something like that (laughs) could be tight i don't know i'd rock one
0: but yeah i don't know i wonder about that stuff like just the idea that like how do you then like on that logic, if you could place people like us anywhere and you start to get upset anywhere, then what's, like, is it, are we, like, too old to
1: change? It's punk rock, though. That's what, like, a uh, lot of it is attributed yeah. to punk rock, where, like, punk rock teaches you to figure out what you don't like about something, you know? You you question it, and you're like, true. this is what, like, defining yourself as a punk is defining what you're against, I am against war, I'm against repression, I'm against poverty. Uh Rarely being punk is it about like these are the things I'm really passionate and for and want to like, you know, like bringing out the positive and something. (laughs) And so, I mean, fuck, I'm 38, I've been into punk since I was like 12, you know, like. I don't think that it's possible to change necessarily this way. And I don't, also don't think it's a bad thing, also. You know, it's just when, again, when people have a problem with it, it's like, why are you so fucking defensive? You didn't build the fucking city. (laughs) Right.
0: You know, like. Like, why do you have to be so madly in love with, like, the place you're at?
1: Yeah, and if something... Like, it's the same with the flag. Like, a flag means nothing if you can't burn it, you know? Right. Like, if if you're upset about the idea of burning an American flag, then it makes me want to burn an American flag that much more, you know? Sure. Whereas, otherwise, if you have no problem with it, I have no desire to burn an American flag, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah. That's one of the things, like, I wonder... I mean, just with a lot of what's going on lately like for instance for me like i barely even considered myself even remotely jewish until like trump got elected and all this crazy shit started happening right and like i said a couple things online and got like straight like troll nazi attacked like one of those things where like 20 people send you like hook nose photos and shit like that like all at once And maybe it's, like, the punk rock side of me. It's not, like, I want to move, I don't want to do this. It's, like, I want to, like, get a gun and be ready to, like, kill people who go anywhere near me who want to hurt me, (laughs) you know? Um, And I would have, I seriously never even remotely thought that way until, like, someone made this, like, concerted effort to, like, make me feel
1: that way. I think that's the obvious danger of social media and, like, the danger of, of, like, of Trump doing, you know, posting the hate that that Trump posts, yeah, you know, and yeah. talking the way that they post, is that, that it does make targets out of people, and that it does create that defensiveness and an exactly. offensiveness too, and, you know like, I, I feel terrible about it, and I, I feel really, like, guilty and, and complicit in it, in that I participate in social media and I don't see it as a long-term like, sustainability thing, you know, like, I don't think it's very punk, you know, but it's like a part of what we do as musicians with promoting your art and everything Uh like that and it's terrifying and thinking about it as like well those older media outlets and print and all those the way that punks used to organize themselves are going to disappear and everyone is going to be solely reliable on social media and that will be controlled you know like and that that that's you know so easily manipulated with trolls and bots and stuff like that and that I don't know. I Yeah, I, and even the information that
0: you're being fed on your own feed being tailored to specifically what you already think sure. and only things that interest you. Like like they really they literally know how to make like like hamsters like like pegging for like pellets and water out of us (laughs) they're so much smarter than us yeah
1: yeah i walking into the venue yesterday there was the two security guards at the back door and it's like walking past them they didn't even look up from their phones you know it's like are you paying attention here like could anyone stroll in here right now and you know i hate to be like that person's like back in the day blah 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 but you think about it like was Well, like, what the fuck did security guards do sitting outside of a venue back in the day? You didn't just stare at your phone. No. There there had to be a different mentality going on, you know? They couldn't wait to talk to you
0: back (laughs) in the day. I had so many weird conversations (laughs) with fucking security guards. They're just waiting for someone to walk by, right? How many good stories? I always say the best, if you want to hear the best, like, tall tales on Earth sit in a bus driver's circle in a festival in Europe and just listen <laughs> yeah. just listen to those elaborated nuggets from like around the world well
1: you don't have any choice but to listen either because bus drivers will never stop talking yeah. and will not let you get an urge in yeah. the, the word in edgewise you know? or
0: if you say something you just start you ripped to shreds in like <laughs> some northern English like, like I, I remember talking about this recently with, with our mutual friend Chris Farron praise him
1: uh, yes his chris, birthday, is
0: birthday soon right <laughs> i think like tomorrow based on the countdown <laughs> speaking of social media the king of social media um and you know chris obviously like sort of uh just doesn't partake in like political stuff and i talked to him about that and you know he believes the idea that for someone like him like his greatest way to even keep contributing in a good way and make things move forward in a good way is like continue to like really work at what he does what he knows how to do and continue like crafting songs
1: in a certain way and that's the best way for him to fight it i think that's completely valid and i think it's really like it's important to recognize there too the element of subversion within that of like right when you see what the crowd or the mob is doing do the opposite so if everyone is talking about politics and everyone is yeah. treating the same shit do the fucking opposite exactly. and that's going to be way more powerful than than just yeah. following the herd even right. if like what the herd is saying is completely valid you know like it's just it's more effective you know
0: but is there like any sensibility to the idea that like say if the shit was and still maybe is going to really go down, you know what I mean? Like, in this country, like, you know, I have a sort of morbid sensibility that it's going to get far worse before it gets better. I agree. And, like, where, where we no longer have the ability to step back and just create if we want to. Right. Like, there is, like, there is an element of, like, space and freedom I hate to to use that word, but even just, like, a personal freedom to be able to have that, like, time and resources to just do that. Right. Like, that's happened to a lot of people. Like, talk to maybe every musician who lived in certain countries in the Middle East during, like, the Arab Spring Mm -hmm. who used to have musical equipment or practice space used to get together with people like every Thursday and play music you know what I mean stuff like that and I got taken away from them right you know they didn't have a choice
1: right but there'll never be a point in history where people are looking back on now and and saying damn it if only Chris Barron would have treated <laughs> treated something anti-trump things wouldn't have gone the way they went <laughs> you yeah, know like yeah, yeah. that's not the deciding factor. Right, right, right. <laughs> Right. Um, and I do think that like you know I, I, I think I've thought a lot about it on this tour of like what's the what's the most effective way to fight back about yeah. the, against that fear and everything and I really do believe it's be the best version of yourself that you can and I think about it on levels of like you know yeah it means eating a vegan diet you know and, and that's something that I need to work on or yeah it means like you know don't be a fucking wasted asshole you know yeah, like right. and, and like Work on your craft, you know. Work on what you're doing and do it to the best of your abilities, because otherwise, I just think you're like falling into the cesspool of the shit, and yeah. and they're getting the best of you in that way. You sure.
0: know, sure, sure, sure. The older I get, I see a lot more uh, value as like a punk and an independent person in being healthy. Oh yeah, like just keep me the fuck out of a hospital, keep an insurance company off my fucking name. Just anyway, sure you know what I mean. I don't even want to like. I want to live healthy until I'm 75 and drop dead chopping down a fucking tree in my yard. But that's like,
1: totally part of of like healthcare reform and like reimagining the healthcare system system. Where like completely one half of it is like I believe that healthcare is a universal right, and I think that there should be universal healthcare in the states. But also, the focus shouldn't be on like fixing the problem it should also be on preventative on eating healthy right. living healthy you know like
0: but that's not part of the, the the cycle i'm talking about like doing that throws a wrench in that cycle right right because you're not buying that food and then you're not committing to those medicines you're not committing to those doctors you're not committing all your prepaid private insurance money coming from somewhere right. to somebody that's wildly overpriced so they can all like, keep lining their pockets like you know I talk about it on the podcast so I don't care bringing it up but within a year like um, going through a shitty situation with watching my mom pass away and like what happens <laughs> surrounding that and then having a massively premature son like three months early and deal like basically unwillingly having to deal with two super major hospital situations that both fell on my shoulders primarily, you know? Right. And it's beyond uh, my skill set almost, you know what I mean? It's too much for me. Sure. Like, it's too much for me to do that and then do everything else, like, life demands. Like, I don't have time for it, and I don't have the mental space to even deal with it.
1: Sure. Or, Or add on top of that, too, like, within the course of this tour... Having, I had two friends pass away, and had to see both of those friends uh, have their friends and family post GoFundMe's to right. co- cover to their funeral fucking yeah, expenses. You know, and yeah. it's like that is just disgusting yeah, to me. Crazy. Like, as an indicator of where we are as like a society, you know, like is just abysmal.
0: Yeah, and with how much money there is for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so you can give me advice, like. So that synagogue shooting in San Diego happened, like, this morning, I think. And a few people were killed, like, during a Passover ceremony. Right. I, like, feel the need to, like, say something because I'm, like, Jewish and people just know I am. And I feel like maybe I could give a certain point of perspective that, like, some people don't have. But I don't have anything, like, positive to say. If I don't want to say anything, like, what can I do with that energy?
1: I, what was the quote? I was reading um, uh, this book called Self-Portrait, which is the biography of, uh, of, of the artist Man Ray, a photographer, painter. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a quote that I read this morning that was something like uh, practice the power of inactivity um, that I thought had a lot of validity to it. And it's something that I think about a lot in general in reference to social media when terrible things happen of just like my tendency then is to blackout is to not post anything and to just take a rest Mm -hmm. from social media and to like, I don't want to be all one of those people like who, you know, you have to say something, anything, you know, like for your image or whatever you have to comment on every terrible thing happens because otherwise it means you don't care or something (laughs) like that, which is just ridiculous. Yeah.
0: That's what it feels like now. Like everybody, like, yeah, when something like that happens and you see all the, Just homogenized, like, you know, quotes from politician A, politician B, because their press team told them they had to say something. Right. And if they didn't say something, they'd be criticized for not saying anything. Right.
1: Right. And yeah. it's just dishonest posting something then, you know, and obviously talking about it too, it's like, if there's no power in it and if it doesn't change anything, then you're just channeling your anger, you're channeling your, the way you're feeling into something that's ineffective and what's that really going to do, right. you know?
0: It makes you more angry.
1: Yeah. Even if yeah. you think on the surface you did something subconsciously, you got to know you didn't really do anything and it didn't really change anything, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And like, I don't know. I, I feel like with social media jumping around too, like that oftentimes anytime i've expressed anger on there it has been effective in the worst ways you know in receiving responses from from trolls or from people like in wanting to argue or like come at you or attack you where that does like energize those people and it creates a like a hatred and it fuels that yeah, yeah, yeah. whereas if you're posting positive things like that more falls on deaf ears and doesn't do anything That's like true. thinking back to uh a year or two ago when Kathy Kathy Griffin... Kathy Griffith, Griffith, uh, yeah. posted that photo the of her. Yeah. the decapitated head. Donald yeah, yeah. Trump head. Like I reacted with, a bu- interacted with a bunch of people online who were yeah. coming at me because I defended her. Right, Some of you remember that. Yeah. And I was just being like, yeah, fuck you. Fuck you too. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, yeah. and those people I realized were like, after a while I started getting scared in a way of like, yeah. what if these people decide to come at me, you know, yeah. like come to a show and attack somebody or, yeah, yeah, or anything yeah. like that, which I see as a far more likely scenario than, than uh, me tweeting Something positive And right. like somebody being like I'm gonna go out And help somebody And change sure. the world yeah, You yeah, know yeah. like no, That's, that's way true. less likely To happen You know
0: Yo you gotta know I was ready Going into this tour I thought Son about is it sounds
1: terrible I
0: was like <laughs> There's a chance Somebody's gonna come To these shows Fucking ill And I was ready I want you to know I was down <laughs> We talked about it even As a band We're like yo Some fucking asshole Might come to these shows
1: We're like yo we got it. <laughs> we're like we're a support
0: band. That's what we do. That's what we do on this story. I
1: appreciate it. Yeah. I think you know. I think about that a lot, and it terrifies me. You know. Like, do you do you um, like have Jake or
0: anybody say anything specific to security about like things to look out for on a with on against a night?
1: me? We're like really um, we're pretty strict about it, and we'll do security meetings and like you know pretty instructive with everything, but. You know, oftentimes you're at the mercy of the venue as to what their procedures are and any everything like that, yeah. you know? And, like, really, unless it's a venue that's, like, doing wand downs and stuff like that, like, what can you do, you know? Um, it's... What a, what a shitty reality.
0: You ever think... Like, have you ever thought about doing stuff to, like... To, like, have more security for yourself? Or you think that's just, like, a bad way to live?
1: I... I feel like whenever...
0: Because I know you can fight a little bit. <laughs>
1: <so> <laughs> whenever I feel unsafe, I feel like stupid for relying on other people to have my back yeah, in those situations. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And any time in situations like... Like the other night um, in Asheville, when at the end of the set, I came up to check the stage and there was like a line of people that was stretching in between the front room and to the back room there okay. was like the doorway yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. and like i got stopped and you know started talking to people taking yeah. pictures signing stuff for them or whatever wow. And one of the people working at the venue came up to me and was like, hey, we can't have people blocking this doorway, We've got to get people to move, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, I didn't tell people to line up here. I'm yeah. trying to get them to move by, right. you know, doing what they want me to do and yeah. they'll go kind on. your
0: job here. Right. Yeah.
1: And he then immediately was just like, hey, everybody move, you know, oh, yeah, and like yeah, got yeah. everybody to move. Yeah. And then the way we moved, it in, instead of it being a line, it was a circle of people around me on all sides, And then I'm in a situation where, like, I don't know who's behind me, I don't know what's happening, and I'm, like, trying to do the same thing, take pictures or whatever, and those are the situations where, you know, even on the small level, I'm like, fuck, make sure my cell phone's still in my back pocket, you know, like, or whatever, just, like... I don't know what's going to happen. And there's been, you know, there's been many times after shows, same thing, like just walking out to the bus or whatever, where, like, I'll recognize, like, this is not a good situation for me to be in. But I want to be polite and I want to, like, I don't want to bum out a fan or anything like that. So I'm going to still be here. But, you know, like sometimes then the alternative to that is like what, do I want to have the security guard from the club walk me out and then the security guard's gonna fucking misgender me the whole way to the fucking bus and it's gonna be a right, thing right, right. and it's gonna it's just gonna suck, I'd rather yeah, just yeah, like take yeah. the risk, you know, like yeah. and and that's like, you know, the way I feel most of the time about it.
0: It sounds like kind of like a weird, lonely place to be in, like <laughs> yeah, 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 sure Do you <laughs> feel like it's almost like how people think they like know you without knowing you? Like, is it almost like too familiar just because someone who's been an against me fan for a long time has just seen a million interviews and well, kind of knows your take on a fuck, lot of I stuff. I have a
1: book out. Like right. people do know yeah, me in yeah. a really intimate that's way, true. you yeah. know, like yeah. that, that, um, and surprisingly that, I don't know, there hasn't been many instances with that actually making me uncomfortable, okay. you know, like specifically, I think more oftentimes it's like, there's a attachment that's almost like a glaze with people where like, We did this thing in Chicago after after a show we played there where we were supposed to like DJ at an after party or whatever. And we went to the place where we were supposed to DJ. And the DJ booth is in the very back of this bar. The bar is full of people. We walk into the club and like all of a sudden I'm doing this thing which is really not me where I'm like walking down an aisle of people shaking hands as I'm going. And it's like this sucks, you know, and like get back to the DJ booth and like Inge jumped behind the the turntables or whatever and started playing songs so then okay. I'm just standing there and like people come up and try to talk to you and it's like I'm deaf if there's other fucking music playing I can't hear what you're saying no matter how close you're, you are yeah. to me yeah. so like I started having a panic attack and I went outside of the bar and like went and like just stood like a like a half a block down And then as I was standing there, I noticed, like, a couple people come out of the club, and they start walking down towards me, and, like, you know, they're looking like they're lighting up cigarettes or whatever, but I could tell they wanted to talk or whatever, and they got towards me, and I was like, hey, y'all, like, I'm having a panic attack right now, I just, like, need two seconds, if I could just, like, just breathe for a second, and it was, like, literally after I finished saying that, yeah, yeah, literally after I finished saying that, they're like so can I get a picture real quick or can I get a selfie <laughs> and I was like I, I gotta go you know and like went down to the other side of the block and w- like continued having my panic attack and then people came down that way after like I totally verbalized like I'm having a panic attack yeah, can yeah, you yeah. just leave me alone for a second and I had to like literally run and, and catch a cab and just bolt Whoa. and get the fuck out yeah, of there because yeah, I yeah. couldn't handle it and no matter what I was saying to people it's like they weren't listening to me even though I was completely verbalizing yeah. the way yeah, I felt yeah, and the, what yeah. I wanted you know Um, Sort of like Kind of inhuman Almost Just Again it's like a glaze You know it's like And I get it Where like thinking about it afterwards It's like They're in their head They have what they're going on Like they're what What they're going to say Is right there In the front of their mind But it's hard So they're not listening To what you're saying Because it's their moment Or whatever But I don't know
0: And then more often than not They're going to Come up to you And say like Oh your music saved my life Like something like Really awesome That like means a lot, and I appreciate. No, no, I know, know. Like, but that's what's crazy about it is like, is like it's this insanely cathartic experience for them. But how are you supposed to like share that experience like uniquely like with well, th- every that's single the person? That's that's <laughs> like that's an impossible thing. to ask well, Yeah, yeah, you can't person. do it
1: genuinely yeah, too. Exactly. And if you yeah. genuinely appreciate it, I genuinely appreciate it. There's no way in this situation I can genuinely show it to you yeah. just because that's not in my constitution as a person. Exactly. That's exactly. like opening presents in front of people makes me really uncomfortable. Right. I don't like to open a present yeah, because yeah. I can't show that I appreciate it. Right. You know, even I, if I do genuinely appreciate it
2: sure
1: but there's you know like one more thing that that made me think of too with like safety stuff is like on this tour you know we had someone in our crew go home early because of a medical issue um which meant that there was an odd number of us so three hotel rooms everyone Um, in the band was like you go ahead and you take the solo room which on the one hand i was like very appreciative of but then there's those moments where I'm like, I kind of feel a little freaked out <laughs> alone right. in this hotel yeah, right yeah. now. You know, like yeah. um, it's late at night and I'm I'm by myself. You yeah. know, like and there's like. You know, you're stuck in this rock and a hard between a rock and a hard place yeah. where it's like if I say something, everyone's gonna think I'm an asshole because I'm the one who got my own hotel room. <laughs> right. But in truth, I feel a little freaked out. Yeah. And also like I live alone and I kinda actually like the company yeah, and wanna yeah. share a room with somebody because I'll have someone to talk yeah. to. You as know? much as
0: the space is nice, <laughs> the Hampton Inn in Iowa isn't really isn't really bringing the best out of me right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're a uniquely gifted songwriter and especially someone who started coming up as early as you did it usually doesn't come from a place of like social joy you know what i mean like grace it comes from like angst it comes from from uh, isolation it comes from like the rock and roll people love the most comes from the darkest places of like a human a hundred percent and like but then they expect you know uh, a diplomat the odd balance that social anxiety is a consistent thing with a lot of people who write songs right you know and then like and then you're literally forced to like be that person and sometimes create some some version of yourself to even be able to deal with it and then that version becomes whatever it is like it's a it's a strange thing
1: Or oh, the flip of that too Coming from like a unique to If you're the singer and you have to speak On stage it's like that was like The hardest part of playing shows for me It was like okay I gotta start talking in between Songs and like you know Then you like it's hard to like Okay I should be a little funny you know I gotta come up with stuff to say and so like You become this person who does this thing On stage and you have this persona on stage or whatever And then like the thing to Switch that off to look for things to Say or to be sharp and quick witted Or whatever like You'll find yourself then in the van with the rest of your band. It's like, that doesn't doesn't turn off. And then you're right. like, oh, I'm being fucking obnoxious. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah. this isn't even who I am. Yeah. It's just like a thing that I've developed because I got to be on stage, you yeah, know, yeah, like yeah. fucking now everyone's annoyed with me. And right. like, you know, I don't want to be like this. Sure.
0: <laughs> I was wondering, you know, you're often talked about as a songwriter, but you're a guitar player. Mm-hmm. Um, like, how often do you like pick up guitar? guitar and just play i play every day
1: like constantly every day like
0: like are you getting up and trying to write or are you just like actually practicing like
1: when i'm home um like my routine is wake up in the morning get my daughter ready for school take her to school then i go to my studio and i have a playlist on my phone that i actually i'll play bass for like a good hour or so first and i have a bass warm-up playlist and i'll just play along to those songs on my bass warm-up playlist and i'll i'll play through the those i'll do my vocal warm-ups and then i'll play through like i didn't until like the last five six years actually get really into like learning other people's songs before it was always like just keep practicing your own shit and that got really old but then i'll like whatever Like, I have a notebook folder full of songs that are cover songs that I'm, like, working on, and I'll just play through those, either by myself or, uh, again, along to the recordings, and I'll just do that, and then after that, I'll move on to, like, okay, now I need to do a little bit of writing and see if I I feel creative or whatever. I, like, I, I wrote a song on the last Weezer record and after that i started really looking into like how rivers works and i listened to his song exploder podcast which was really fascinating what's it called song exploder they like will take a song break down the song talk about how it was written um
0: and he has like a very cerebral way of looking at songwriting
1: it's very just like excel sheets like you know cadences uh this many consonants in a line you know like and, you know, there's probably a younger version of me that would have been like, that's bullshit. But, like, older version of me is like, that's really smart, you know? like, <laughs> yeah. And that's, yeah. like, that's what you have to have for the commitment to your craft, you know, or whatever. Sure. Um, but there's a there was a book that he recommended called The Artist's Way. And I read that, and it's, like, a course. It's supposed to be, like, I think it's, like, three weeks long or whatever. And each, each week it tells you to do a new thing in order to just, like, open up your creative pathways and, like... This whole tour I've done the one thing which is your morning pages. I wake up, I write three pages in my journal, no matter what. Yeah, even yeah. if I have nothing to say, I just fill up three pages. And I try to be the same way with like with guitar of just like, you know, focus on it. Find a thing that you can do every day, even if it's completely mechanical and sure. robotic. Yeah, yeah. Just to keep the muscles going and like just stay in the practice.
0: So you yeah, so I bas- I I keep talking about the like Vonnegut used to talk about the people who are just like Disciplined people And then creative people You seem to definitely Be on the discipline side Because that's a lot of work (laughs) That's good though I love hearing that shit Because to me To me like You need like The tools in the toolbox You know Like How are you supposed to When you have a great idea And you have that One of my favorite things About playing music And playing the drums For so long now Is the idea that like Something can pop Into my head At thin air And I can do it More often than not like right. I can make my hands do the idea and that only comes from practice. Right. Like, there's no other way to achieve that. Like it's not just going to like pop to you. I
1: Earth can warm. still see the areas too as a guitar player where I'm weak, you know.
0: What are what are some songs? What are like a couple nuggets on the bass warm up?
1: Um I uh, I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I'm curious. What's got killer bass lines to warm up to? I
1: always I always start with The Cure's Close to Me. Okay, perfect. Um just It's like it's yeah. a great song, yeah, gets yeah. you in a good mood. Sure. Um, I've got Close to Me, followed by White Wedding, <laughs> followed by Hitsville, UK, the Clash song. Yeah. Pop Crimes, Rollin' S. Howard, real good finger warm-up. Okay. Why Can't I Touch It by the Buzzcocks. Dumb Things by Paul Kelly. Um, uh, Tuesday Morning by the Pogues and Hyena by Rancid. Wow. <laughs> That's my eight-song bass warm-up. So Hyena,
0: <laughs> like now you're warmed up and you're ready
1: for Rancid by <laughs> yeah. the end but, yeah. well it's also like uh, I, I that, that was on there uh, within the last couple of months before this tour because when I was that's how I started out I started out on bass playing in punk bands yeah, yeah. and when I was 13 years old Matt Arms, or Matt Freeman was like my bass god and I used to be able to play all those Rancid songs and so knowing like alright do I have those chops back yet I yeah. can judge by whether or not I can play Rancid songs that's
0: Awesome. did you skateboard <laughs>
1: Really, really briefly, you know, I was always like tall, lanky, and uncoordinated, so it was not, uh, it was not a good thing for but me.
0: But was skateboarding part of your scene down there? Like the culture, friends? very much yeah, so. Yeah yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, and all my friends are skaters, and like, you know, I had a, a Lance Mountain Powell Parolta board. Loved Lance. <laughs> went big. Always went big.
0: I always got away with like. You can imagine. I'm, I'm kind of gangly now, you know, and not coordinated, and I was about like. 30 pounds heavier than this, and just like eating, uh, you know, boxes of Morningstar chicken nuggets for dinner, and just like a total piece They're still of shit. so good though. They're amazing. <laughs> I used to literally cook a whole box and then just have a trio of like three different dipping sauces. Cook or microwave? I, oven. Straight wow, oven. that's respectable. Yeah, I was that's refined. really
1: respectable. That was pretty refined.
0: <laughs> I cooked for myself for a long time as a kid, but I was vegetarian, so I like. I have some really bizarre, like, recipes of, like, shitty boxed vegetarian food and things <laughs> you can do with them. I could write, like, a cookbook.
1: <laughs> that's, like, my, my, uh, treat lunch for my daughter. I pack her lunch, is Hawaiian rolls with chicken nuggets, uh, with the ch- fake, the yes. Morning Star Farm chicken nuggets with vegan on there. Uh, really good. That's nice. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's nice. The, uh... Yeah, we only treat ourselves to fake meat. It's, just, it's such a shame. Do you, wait, do
1: you, do you play drums every day?
0: I try. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I don't have drums in my house, the same as you. Like, um, And uh, yeah, but almost more often than not, I'll always get behind the kit at least once. Well,
1: I, I can't... This isn't at my house. i got go yeah, to, to go to my studio space. Have you ever lived in a house where you can play drums?
0: For three years. I lived in a house in New Brunswick... That I was able to like Play and have band practice In the basement But I've only had drums In my house For three out of the 25 years I've been playing music It's
1: kind of fucked up yeah. we're, we're like That's something I think about a lot Because I, I Maybe maybe the same You know Maybe three years Broken up yeah. I've, Have I lived in places Where I can Comfortably sing loudly Right And not feel inhibited yeah, yeah, You yeah. know Um otherwise having to have a studio space. But it's weird living someplace and not being able to practice your craft where you live, you know?
0: I'm not in a band that like takes bands on tour right now. I'm not in a band that hires people. You know what I mean? So I'm out of that box of like, if this was gaslight, I could easily be able to like make a really concerted effort, like professionally, to do something like what people have been asking about, keeping tours
1: That's fucking hard, though. That's, like, a conversation in and of itself. Like, especially when it comes to crew. Like, finding diversity with crew. Oftentimes, it's, like, the hiring options are just, like... I wish there were more options. Exactly. Most of the time when you're hiring a crew, it's like, this is the one person we can find to do this. Right. So that's who we're hiring, exactly. you know, like, yeah, yeah. and that sucks. But it's not
0: like you're getting 50 resumes. Yeah. And then you're like, you maybe this yeah. one, you know, yeah, like, yeah. what
1: do you, what do you all think of this person? You know, like,
0: well, I thought of that too. <laughs> I was like, is I was like, if I wanted to hire an all uh, female or, or trans crew at this point, like, I would be taking, like, like six of, like, the eight people who exist in that world right now. Like, it's almost would be, like, nearly impossible, right?
1: Yeah, I mean...
0: You- and especially bands who have existed maybe for a million years and have their crews set. Mm-hmm. You know, people have been working for them and rely on them for money for years and years and years before they were even aware that they should have been diversifying and stuff like that like right I'm I'm feeling like if somebody as progressive as me is having these kinds of questions. What the fuck is it doing to people who are not even welcome to this at all?
1: I think that's okay. You know, like to feel challenged and to feel uncomfortable sure. and like I'm I feel that way often. You know, like and and I there there's many moments just like as a white person, you know, where it's like right. you just need to shut up and listen, you yeah. know, like and yeah. and and and, re- and understand that like and that's something that being trans like has completely opened my eyes to in specifically with coming out in transitioning is like realizing like oh fuck like when i was male presenting i had a shit ton of privilege that i just couldn't see because i was living the privilege and then when you like step away from that privilege and it's no longer there for you then you recognize it you know and just having that experience in my version of it has made me more empathetic and more able to realize like I just might not understand the privileges I have in some situations that other people are saying that I have that I need right. to recognize sure. and I just need to accept that you know it, yeah. and, and and that probably does make me uncomfortable in some ways and you know what like just feel uncomfortable right. <laughs> you know yeah. like you're gonna live you're just yeah, gonna yeah, yeah. feel a little uncomfortable yeah. but it is, you know also like with what you started out saying like there. I don't think there's ever been a time where I've been like that's Benny. he's sis, you know, like, or with any other person, you know, like, yeah, I don't yeah. think I've ever actively thought like sis, 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 or anything like that. Even though, like, I of course know the terminology and I understand yeah, the differences yeah, yeah. and everything like that. I just my brain doesn't think in that ways with people. I just right. like think on a more individual, individual, individual. Well, level, you sort of you know? have to,
0: right? I mean, because that's the thing that that uh that sometimes comes off strange to me is the idea that like. Most of these positions Of like full time musicians And crews And things like that Are cis white people
1: well, In I, rock at least I think it's hard yeah, To define the diversity so. Because Because it's been that way For so long Right That like You know That there has Like people have been left out And there, ha- there hasn't there aren't the people to choose from there isn't the diversity to choose from because it's been closed doors for yeah, so long yeah. to the diversity so like just being in this moment now where it's like hopefully that's the idea where you're opening it up and as that continues and if you promote diversity and you do make the changes when you can make the changes that that'll only continue to expand and then you'll have greater options and you can do that yeah, yeah, yeah. but like i don't know for me when it comes to bands and stuff like i will always judge a band based on whether i like their songs and whether like i respect their ability as musicians you know like regardless of sex gender age anything like that like i can't lie to myself when i hear the music and when i see the way they're playing like i will just know like that drummer sucks
0: it's almost seven cool we can go in before doors thanks laura yeah that was All right. Well, that was fun. So where where was that? That was in Nashville, Tennessee, yeah. at a place called the Basement East. As you can hear the uh, the birds and the yeah, all sorts of fire department.
3: Mm-hmm. Of we Nashville. actually
0: also witnessed at the time of the interview, we saw a man in a pickup truck doing some really strange things, like getting in the pickup, driving really fast into his driveway, and then like getting out. Looking at something and then like reversing, and and I, you know, my head always goes like, especially when I'm down in Tennessee. I'm like, oh, active shooter. Here we go. This is some. Danny, some, you're gonna get in trouble for that. What? <laughs> what, baby? This falling down kind of thing. You just had the the, the day that that put it all the, put it all over, That's man. True. You know, right. you never fucking know.
3: Falling down. There's a good ref. Good. Move. Where did that take place? Like Chicago? Or that was LA. L.A., Right?
0: That was right, right, L. A. Right. Of course, it's L. A. Of course. Memory runs into the uh, that, Cholos and stuff. That's a, a big film. part of that film. Look up that film if you haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, classic. But uh, it's nice to be back doing the going off track. Yeah, and for those <clears throat> of you that waited around, we're Aww. fucking psyched to have you. Praise thee. We are.
3: Wa- we're rebooting. We're rebooting. We don't have a definite date, but we will be rebooting likely in January.
0: Yeah, I've already we've already conducted a, a number of excellent interviews. Yes, with excellent guests. Yes. That should be uh, shocking so, in their nature. <laughs> so stay subscribed
3: if Isn't you're that, subscribed. Wait, that's what
0: we're supposed to do, Brad. What? We got to trail it with like, you can't even imagine the shit <laughs> that these people said in the interviews we just did. <laughs> it's hot. <laughs> this is the modern age, Brad. It's not the 90s. You gotta do you like, need to add
3: sound effects? Yeah. Did he just say that? Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Got to do it, man. It's about—it's about—it's uh, all about sex these days, Brad. Every episode going
3: forward, going off track, is all sex.
0: All sex. All the time.
3: Half of them are Benny having sex on the mic. It's like a fucking Teddy Pendergrass song here. <laughs> Woo! Um, but stay subscribed. And if you're not subscribed, subscribe. We will be—we will be back. We, we've got these episodes. Um, you know, watch our social media. Benny— <laughs> Benny, yeah, right. watch Benny's social media because mine is a uh, slow train to China. Yeah, we gotta hire a twenty-year-old. Um, going off track.
0: Twitter, Instagram. What's your What's your social? I'm uh, Benny Horowitz one on Twitter. I think just Benny Horowitz on Instagram. So. Some jag got me on Twitter. You know, I think I've talked about that before. Keep an
3: eye on those. (laughs) Keep an eye on those for exact dates. But, um, yeah, we're back. We're happy to be here.
0: Um, And thanks thanks immensely for anyone over the last couple years who I was touring, going to different towns, who, who said something nice about going off track and said that you listened to it, definitely gave, like, the juice to, like, fully want to do this, you to know? T-
3: to tell you the truth, that's what brought this back. Yeah. Because he got sick of, every time he got off the road, he's like, man, I had, like, I mean, I had a few people that, you know, came up to talk to me about the band, but most people just wanted to know when the fucking podcast was relaunched. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> you
0: know, you know I just played drums, right? <laughs> what the fuck?
3: <laughs> yeah. We'd rather hear you talk. That's yeah. pretty, that's how many drummers get told that they people would rather hear him talk than mm. play drums.
0: Dave Grohl. Phil Collins, and <laughs> I don't hear Phil sometimes Collins Ginger Baker, and then me, I guess.
3: It's pretty cool. <laughs> it's a good uh, crowd. Select company. It's a very select company. Yeah. Ginger Baker, I like that one. About Tommy Lee? No, I don't no, want to hear him talk. I don't want to hear him talk. <laughs> we've heard him talk
0: enough.
3: <laughs> totally. Um But thanks to Acast, we've been uh, recording some of these shows here, and thanks to Tim McGarry here at Acast, and Ali, who's really hooked us up. Yeah. Um but yeah, keep an eye on the website, going at track.com, all the socials, and um, look for us in 2020.
0: Thanks everyone. Yeah!
2: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well,